Welcome to the UM's Connected Podcast, a resource offering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition through a metaverse community. I'm your host, Steve Harper. Well, we come to the fifth episode of a five-episode series that we've entitled with the word Connected. We named the new movement UM's Connected because we saw from the outset that the early Methodist movement was a connection. The Wesleys even referred to it that way from time to time. So we wanted to link with our heritage and to say unequivocally, we want to align with that heritage and to advance it in the 21st century. Connected was a good word to do that. And so we have had five sessions looking at the idea of connection from multiple vantage points. In last week's episode, we showed how this is actually part of a larger formative flow that the Wesleys understood as belonging, believing, and behaving. So I remind you of that as we come to the fifth episode today, that we could have called these five episodes belonging, but the word connected is more akin to our actual theological language in the Wesleyan tradition. But it's important for us as we come to this fifth session for understanding that that we have been about the exploration of belonging. And we've been pointing out throughout this time that This is where spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition began. It didn't begin with believing because some of the people that the Wesleys reached were not uh, churched people so far as ongoing and active participation was concerned. And, And neither were they schooled people in terms of theology. So the Wesleys didn't start with, the what do you believe? They started with, you're welcome here. And they believed that once people were brought into a formative environment, that they would be drawn into uh, a learning, a formation kind of experience. They would understand that disciple means learner in its fundamental sense. And they would say, teach me. This is in akin with the early Christian process of catechesis, where they too started with Uh, an openness and a hospitality, a welcome and acceptance. And then in that community of persons, they sought to form a community of disciples. So all of that to say that as we come to this fifth and final episode in the Connected series, we're bringing all of this together. Today I want to focus on the particular aspect of resourcing. Because it's clear that once these people were gathered into Methodism, they were resourced in a variety of ways. Now, uh, we're going to look at some of those ways today, and we're going to show how, as UM's Connected comes into being, we're going to try to be a mirrored reflection of those same kind of intentions. Uh, We'll do it differently in the 21st century than the Wesleys did in the 18th. But you'll be able to see in UM's Connected 
that the fruit of our ministry today comes from the root of their ministry then. And one of the ways that's true is with a commitment not only to having a movement and gathering people, but to resourcing them in a way that's meaningful and developmental. So let's take that idea of resources and look at it today. We begin by remembering that that it emerges from the Methodist vision and mission to spread scriptural holiness across the land. Now, among the many things that we could say about scriptural holiness, and by the way, we will be saying more about it in future episodes, but for today, we want to be clear that for the Wesleys, this meant an educated uh, following. This meant an educated movement. When the Wesleys looked at uh, primitive Christianity up to and around the time of the mid-6th century, about the time of St. Benedict, and when it looked from that time onward into the Middle Ages and into the time of the Protestant Reformation, one of the things that the Wesleys saw was the formation of the mind. When when Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, one of the dimensions of that was the cultivation of reason. The Wesleys were never opposed to reason. They were never opposed to knowledge. They just didn't see those things as uh, places where uh, human egotism could become arrogant, and they never saw reason in and of itself as fully sufficient for understanding the will and ways of God. But as we begin to look at resources today, we want to be very clear that the, the desire to resource the early Methodist movement came from the vision and the mission to spread scriptural holiness across the land. They did that through a life-together milieu. When they gathered together, they gathered under an umbrella of resources. Some of those resources already existed, and others of those resources were some of the ones produced by the Wesleys themselves. Let me make a quick and limited list of those life-together resources. The first of all was the Articles of Religion of the Church of England. Even though Methodism was not Anglican in an exclusive sense, it certainly was Anglican in the sense that the Wesleys believed that those 39 articles of religion were sufficient. Some people have have said, how come the Wesleys didn't do theology and produce their own articles of religion or, or kind of a systematic theology like you could read in Calvin's Institutes or something like that? Well, one answer to that question is they already had them. And we can see the importance of the Articles of Religion, for example, when Methodism crossed the ocean, came to the colonies, and in 1784, Wesley sent over to the new American Methodist Church 25 Articles of Religion, culling down from 39 and making some editorial changes within the 25 themselves. But those Articles of Religion were one of the key foundational resources So much so in early Methodism that in our current book of discipline, in a restrictive rule, we're not allowed to make changes to those articles. Now, we can 
we can do the work of theology and hermeneutics around them. We can we can discuss them and interpret them, and uh, we can apply them to the 21st century in ways that the Wesleys didn't have to do in the 18th century. But just as they started with the Articles of Religion, so do we. You see, that's the milieu. And our Book of Discipline says those are not subject to change. Now, when we begin a new series next week on our beliefs, we're going to look specifically at those Articles of Religion. So stay tuned when it comes to that. The second element was what John Wesley wrote and called the General Rules of the United Societies. The United Societies was actually the the first name of Methodism. Methodism eventually took over as the title, but in the beginning he simply called uh, the Methodists a group, a society, a united society, and he produced general rules that would also provide resources, content, if you will, to help them understand what their life together was supposed to be like. And once again, in our contemporary book of discipline in the United Methodist Church, the general rules are another one of those that are protected and not uh, subject to change. So, you've got two really strong resources going for the life together context of early Methodism, the articles and the general rules. But it didn't stop there. As Wesley rode the circuit and proclaimed the gospel, he saw the need to produce sermons, standard sermons. In fact, Methodist preachers and teachers were supposed to use those sermons not as boilerplates, not as uh, to get up and read them, though I'm sure some people may have done that uh, because they were so good. But the sermons were intended uh, to provide the doctrinal context for the Methodist movement. The, the main teachings of Methodism were found in those standard sermons. I think Wesley was uh, drawing on the Anglican tradition's uh, book of homilies, which served a similar purpose. Sometimes priests in the Church of England would actually uh, read or preach those homilies verbatim, but they were more intended to be sources of information and inspiration that could that could uh, ignite the spirit of uh, the preacher. Well, that's what the sermons were for in early Methodism. Um, but they were there in print, is the point. They were an actual resource, 1755, um, uh, those sermons are, I'm jumping ahead of myself here, those were the notes on the New Testament, which I'll get to in just a minute. I was looking at the wrong part of my notes, but the sermons were, were produced over a period of time uh, to provide a resource for understanding Methodist life together. And then we do move to the notes. Um, Wesley, as we've already said in this series, looked at scriptural Christianity and said he wanted Methodists to be plain old Bible Christians. Uh, but he added to that an actual resource to uh, provide content for that phrase. In 1755, he produced the notes on the New Testament. And then over the course of the next 10 years, three more volumes of explanatory notes on the Old Testament. So let's pause just for a second and see what we've got going here in what we would call uh, the milieu of early Methodism. You've got the Articles of Religion, 
which are the basic theological convictions that not only identified Methodists, but also connected them with their common ecumenical heritage as Christian. Then you've got the general rules, which spelled out the content of behavior. How are we supposed to live together? How are we supposed to live in the world uh, so that we will faithfully bear witness to Jesus Christ? Then you've got the sermons and the notes on Scripture, which, which rooted the Methodists in the Bible. There's one more thing uh, that I want to point out today that's sometimes overlooked in the resources, and yet I've come to believe it's one of the most important. That's the annual conference. In 1744, Wesley gathered together the leaders of the early Methodist movement, and they began to meet annually thereafter. And in the context of their meetings, they produced minutes Minutes which were written down and distributed across the Methodist movement. In those minutes, they resourced themselves in relationship to three questions. What to teach, how to teach, and what to do. Again, we'll come back and be looking more about the the sense of those questions. Dr. Paul Chilcote has has applied them to the concept of Christian vocation. And we'll come back to that in future episodes when we talk about our calling and how we live it out in an informed way. You see, what I want you to see today is that in those annual conferences, the Methodists were not only affirming their roots, but they were seeking to be responsive as the Methodist movement unfolded. They, they could not anticipate all of the needs that they would be called to meet or the ways in which they would be called to meet them. So the annual conference was was not only a way to uh, link with the articles, the general rules, the sermons, and the notes in terms of roots and affirmations. It was also a way of, of keeping the Methodist movement pliable, flexible, adaptive, responsive, uh, applying the faith um, to... Uh, the various places where Methodism was beginning to find itself. Now, we could mention other resources. I've come to believe that the letters of John Wesley were one of the most important ways in which he kept in touch with people, provided resources. Um, He was a spiritual guide through his letters, for example. So they are a resource. Uh, They are a formative resource. Um, that maybe never achieved the same status in terms of uh, you know official uh, status in the Methodist movement, but they were they were that thread that wound itself through Methodism day after day after day as Wesley uh, reached out to people, responded to their questions, sought to meet their needs, and and frequently you'll find him recommending in his letters other resources for individuals and Methodist groups to use. So you've got the resources that were aimed to uh, uh, create a milieu of life together. The second thing I've noticed about the the Methodist resources is that they watched over one another in love. That, uh, That was once you were together, then what were you supposed to do? And how were you supposed to do it? Well, you were supposed to watch over one another in love, and they did that through the structures of early Methodism. We've already looked at them. Uh, we're not being redundant here. 
Uh, we're simply reinforcing the importance of the societies, the classes, and the bands. When you say we want to watch over one another in love, uh, if those are the resources, then uh, uh, how are you going to do it, you see? Well, you're going to do it through, in Methodism, societies, classes, and bands, the particular structures for specific purposes. And we've already looked at the purposes, awakening, attachment, and advancement, see? Provenient, converting, sanctifying grace. We've already showed how the structure and the substance of Methodism went hand in hand, but today we're wanting to show that these groups were actual resources. See? Uh, these gave people a place to go, a place to learn, uh, a, a place to ask questions, a place to hear others giving testimony to their faith. You see, this is a this is a methodological resource, and we in UM's Connected are going to produce a variety of ministries that will help to meet the same needs of awakening, attachment, and advancement. We're going to have some some larger kind of events like societies. We're going to have some other kind of ministries that are close, more closely akin to a class meeting. And we'll have some uh, ministries and resources that will be more aimed at sanctifying grace or developing the faith, forming the faith of people who've already professed it. So the resources of early Methodism are being looked at and applied in UM's Connected today because we want that same milieu of life together and we want to provide through the metaverse a, a an option for watching over one another in love. It's different from early Methodism in the 18th century, but it, it um, represents the spirit and intent of early Methodism. And that's because in the third place, we have uh, a present age to serve and people to reach. When you look at early Methodism, you can see that they were seeking to reach active Christians from various churches and denominations perhaps more laity than clergy but but still there were people in the methodist movement who were who were very good members of their respective churches and denominations and, and they were still welcomed into and found formation within early methodism and today ums connected wants to provide resources for people who are staying in the umc uh, it's not just for people whose churches have closed or disaffiliated. It's, it's for people who are going to stay in the United Methodist Church and want to begin to bring into the lifeblood of their respective congregations formative resources uh, that they can, they can put into already existing groups, Sunday school classes, small groups, women's groups, men's groups, youth groups, whatever it happens to be, young adult groups, or they can create specific formation groups using the resources that UM's Connected will be offering. See, because we, we have a mission of wanting to reach active Christians, those who would say, I'm staying in the United Methodist Church. Methodism also reached out in the 18th century to what we would call perhaps today inactive Christians, uh, those who may have uh, attended church on the Easter or Christmas, but not a whole lot in between. They were baptized. Uh, they had their names on a roll, uh, but they really weren't very active. Methodism was part 
uh, of a life together watching over one another in love experience for those kinds of people, people who were not actively participating in institutional Christianity. We would call those today the Duns, people who've started out in the church, but for whatever reasons have have stepped outside. Uh, There may be some ceremonial affinities or attendance from time to time, but uh, they probably wouldn't even uh, claim that they were active and vital members of a congregation. Uh, So we're not saying that in a pejorative way. We're just saying it in the way that the Duns today are saying they've just stepped away. Uh, And uh, those kind of people feel homeless. And there are a lot of folks who are feeling homeless today with respect to institutional Christianity in general, United Methodist Church in particular. They just don't exactly know where they fit in. UM's Connected is going to to say to the inactives, to say to the duns, to say to those who are feeling homeless, here's a place for you to reconnect. Here's a place for you to reignite uh, a flame that may have once burned in your heart but went out for whatever reason. Then, of course, there's the the no-attachment people. They were there in the 18th century, just as they are in the 21st. Uh, They had just not affiliated Uh, in any uh, sense, with uh, a branch of institutional Christianity. But you see, the Wesleys understood that they still had a hunger because they're made in the image of God. Everyone you meet hungers for God, even if they don't use the word God. Uh, Hungers for uh, a sense of ultimacy, uh, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose. Uh, Whatever you want to call it, the Wesleys said of early Methodism, Here's a place for you to take that desire, like the psalmist, as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul pants for you, O God, to take that desire and to cultivate it. We're going to be doing that in UM's Connected as well, where we look at the people today who call themselves the nuns, but they're still seeking, and they say that. They don't try to hide the fact that they're still on a journey. UM's Connected wants to be helpful to those staying in the United Methodist Church, to those who are done with it, either by their own choice or because they've been cast out uh, through church closures and disaffiliations, and then with the nuns who are out there and not sure they want to come inside the church, but they would sort of like for the church to come outside where they are. Our resources are basic. We've begun with a website, Facebook page, and a podcast. Coming in September, we're going to add live ministries through Zoom that you can take advantage of. Uh, Keep watching our website and our Facebook page to announce those and to get the links for how you can participate in them. And then we're going to be producing on-demand resources. Uh, We have a resources icon on the website page where already existing resources are recommended and we're going to be adding to those in the days ahead. So what have we said today? We've said that if you have a movement that's going to sustain itself, you've got to bring resources to it. Uh, You you, you can't just uh, exist on experience alone. You've got to have scripture and tradition and reason, those other elements of the Wesleyan quadrilateral. You not only have to have a fellowship, you have to have an informed fellowship. 
you have to have a forming fellowship that's growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ to be connected. And that's where resources come in. Well, that's our episode for today. Hope you found it helpful. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. We'll begin a new series, Moving from Belonging to Believing. Tell others about UM's Connected and about this podcast so that they can join the journey. Feel free to get in touch with me if you have any questions at UM's Connected at flumc.org.